0: pray with me please bruise for me the serpent's head that set that set free from doubt and dread I may cling to you in faith safely kept through life and death then when you will come again as the glorious king to reign I with joy will see your face freely ransomed by your grace Lord, we gather tonight in the name of Jesus to worship God our Father, who is, in every sense of the word, our great protector. Give us wisdom by your Spirit as to how we can count on that, how we can live in assurance with that, and how to brace ourselves for life in the not yet until you come again in glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good evening. I I was given this topic as part of the series here during the season of Advent, the circle of light that wraps itself around the body of Christ. And one of those things that it brings to us is protection, protection. Does God protect us? If so, how? What can we count on? I was just thinking how many ways even today I protected myself. You probably protected yourself in a bunch of ways today. You probably primped before you came to worship to protect yourself from being seen in a bad light by people around you. You want to make sure that you look good. You put on a coat to protect yourself from the elements, lock the doors to protect your house when you left, put on the seatbelt in the car hopefully to protect yourself, put away your cell phone while you're driving to protect not only you but other people who are on the road. You followed traffic laws to protect yourself and everybody else got here, locked the car, went in and got a bite to eat to protect yourself from the imminent starvation facing you if you didn't get uh, something to eat, probably put a napkin on your lap to protect your clothes, came in here and picked a seat protectively, making sure I don't want to sit next to that person. They could bore me all night long and I don't want to sit too close to the organ because it's too loud so I got to protect myself. I don't want to get trapped here after it's over too. One of the pastors might want to talk to me. Maybe you got your phone out to protect yourself from boredom in case the sermon got really bad and you wanted to check your scores. We are constantly protecting ourselves because we're vulnerable. We've got thin skin compared to others in the animal kingdom. We've got smarts the rest don't have, but we are prey for a bunch of other animals. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing how long we sustain because we need to be protected all the time. Historically we have been protected ever since the garden of eden when god gave fig leaves to give minor protection there from the elements but we're we're a culture of walls and moats and gates and alarms we've always had knights and policemen and armies we're encouraged to practice levels of self defense so we maybe feel like we should be able to have a weapon at our disposal or we should at least have fighting skills or a baseball bat or some way that we can protect ourselves, we're always trying to protect our kids, protect our health, protect our finances, protect our borders, protect our environment, protect our identities these days. Politically, protection is a huge thing for us when it comes to major elections. How we're going to be secure in an unfriendly world is huge to us. So protection is a huge theme for all of us, and we're, we're about it all the time. And so we blithely come to church and we go, well, God is our great protector. Is he? I, I, we, we read from the Psalms. The Lord is my rock and my soul. Whom shall I fear? God's protecting, Right? I think there are some people in our world who think that God should protect us from everything that could ever happen that's bad. Have you heard people say, how could there be a God who could let that hurricane happen? Or how could there be a God who wouldn't cure that person's cancer? Tucked under there is some sort of an assumption that if there's a God who's all-powerful, he should make sure nothing bad ever happens to anybody. But that's obviously not the case, is it? is it reasonable to expect god to protect us when is when do we think that oh for sure god should protect us there but god might leave us unprotected here good things happen to bad people bad things happen to good people where's god you ever said that you ever been in a situation where you go come on god you could intervene and you're not why not you could you should The world usually gets most upset with God. They don't believe in God, except when something bad happens. Then they go, yeah, your God should have done something. Well, you don't believe in that God anyway. But there's that assumption. And I think we wrestle with it too. So the Bible is full, full of references to God's protection. I mentioned the fig leaves. Right after the fig leaves, there's a great moment of grace and protection. You might not see it that way. But when God guards the Garden of Eden from Adam and Eve getting to the Tree of Life. Because God protects us from a godless eternity by doing that. That was an amazing point of protection. The Tower of Babel, protecting us from building a name for ourselves. He scattered us so that we would stay humble and dependent on God. He protected Abraham's nephew Lot from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Protected the Israelites from starvation by getting them to Egypt in the first place. And then by recapture, by getting them out of Egypt and protected them through the sea, the Red Sea, and protected them across The Sinai Peninsula protected the armies of both Moses and then Joshua and then the people of Israel. All through the Psalms, the Lord is my refuge. He is my tower. 47 times in the Psalms, God is called our refuge. That's a place to go for protection. But God didn't always protect Israel from its own bad leaders. God didn't always protect him, protect the nation from the Syrians from the Babylonians. Most of all, God did not protect the Israelites from their own stubborn behavior towards God. So somewhere along the way, God gives us a leash. There's a long leash where God is our refuge, but he also allows us to get into our own troubles and allows certain levels of troubles to come to us. So what can we we count on? Well, let's look at Jesus. Did God protect Jesus? yeah he protected him from herod remember you got a dream here you got to get out of bethlehem because herod's going to be killing babies so protecting you by sending you to egypt and then god protected jesus even when he was going through his temptations it says that angels came and attended to him because he was hungry and he was tired and he was vulnerable and he had divine help from god he was protected from crowds there were times in jesus life where he the crowd was coming upon him and it says that he just slipped out kind of divine escape Because it wasn't his time yet to be persecuted. Jesus avoided trouble when he could. He said a number of times, it's not my time to go to Jerusalem because I know what happens when I go there. And it's not time for me to die yet. So my time is coming. And yet, God did send Jesus. He was born in really rough conditions in Bethlehem. He was sent to Egypt as a refugee family. That had to be hard. The Holy Spirit led him into that temptation where he was mano y mano with the devil. And so that was hard. And certainly, God did not intervene when it came to the cross. So does God promise to protect us? Is he still our refuge? Of course. The Bible says that he has ministering angels to help protect us through our life. That's really great. When we pray, God says to pray for your daily bread, because I want to help protect you from going hungry. I want you to pray for forgiveness, because I don't want you to experience the wrath of God against sin. I want you to pray for deliverance from temptation and from evil, because it's dangerous out there with the devil, and you ought to be praying, and I want you to have divine protection. God also says, I want to protect you to a degree from sickness, it says in james 5 that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much if you're sick go to the elders ask him to pray and there's healing so god can give that sort of healing protection but we cannot assume that god's going to protect us from everything that we hope he'll protect us from can we i don't think so well the first one is dying <laughs> is god going to protect us from dying Right now, we're at about three out of 15 billion people who have ever lived have gotten away without dying. So we've got Enoch, and we've got Elijah, and, uh, well, Jesus actually died and then rose, so maybe only just the two. Uh, Death, as part of the curse of our human existence, we're not going to be protected from death, are we? Though it still comes as a surprise to us whenever it happens. Like, how? that person didn't live long enough. Like, ah, God, couldn't you have protected them from death? Well, no. Well, couldn't you have at least given them a little more time? Maybe. Maybe not. God will not protect you from divinely intended suffering that he has for you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy Advent. Advent. That seems like a heavy thing to, do you know that this is true? So when we talk about God being our protector, I think that it's really important, especially during the season of Advent, that we get a good theological grip on the reality that faces us as people who are waiting for the second coming of Christ. Because the reality is, we're living in a world that is under the dominion, it is the domain of Satan himself. Jesus said that. The crucified one said to us, they hated me, they'll hate you. Peter said, Satan's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And the apostle Paul says, anyone who's going to live a godly life is going to be persecuted. It is not safe out there. But beyond the world just being safe, because even if the world is unsafe, our God, our Father, can protect us in an unsafe world. And I believe he does all the time. Have you ever just stopped and thought, I wonder how many things God has protected me from so far that we'll never know? How many accidents we've missed? How many sicknesses we've avoided? Who knows how much God has already done? But the scripture says that we are called to be suffering people for the sake of the gospel. Do you know that? That might not have been a front-loaded idea when somebody introduced Jesus to you. Hey, you ought to become a Christian. You're destined to suffer. The prosperity gospel is a lot more attractive than that. Come to Jesus, he'll take care of all your problems. The reality is, come to Jesus, and you've got a bunch of problems, because the world hates you now, more than ever. God's best way Oh, if we can only get our minds around this. First of all, does God ever have a plan B? No. Because whatever God intends, whatever God chooses to do, it happens. So if God the Father is saying, how best can I glorify myself in the universe? The answer is through the death of myself on the cross, through suffering, through agony through what's perceived as injustice, that's the best way I can glorify myself in the world. So if that's true of God, and we're now God's people, in fact, God says you are the body of Christ, you are the manifestation of Jesus to the world, is there a possibility that the best way God can glorify himself today is through your suffering? Boy, I hope not. Me too. But is it biblically true? texts. Vern, you got a page full of texts for me? Somebody? Here's a smattering. (laughs) I put them up there for shock value mostly. We don't have to read them all. These are all texts from the New Testament that say, you are called to suffer, you are destined to suffer, you should rejoice in your sufferings. It is such a huge biblical theme. And it's a shame because in our contemporary Christianity in the United States of America, We like things like prosperity, we like things like all of our circumstances going well, And, and we as a culture have had probably the best circumstances in history. We're rich, we've got all kinds of food, we've got a standard of living that's unmatched, and so we kind of think that that's our ongoing right, and so what we would prefer is a Christianity that just reaffirms that. Like, I am, I am selfishly engaged in this lifestyle, and I'd really like a God who just tells me that it's all a blessing and it's all what I deserve. The reality of the biblical text is suffering is a part of our existence. But I thought you said God is protector. What is God up to if he protects us, but yet lets us suffer? Three texts, especially at Advent, I'd like you to see. It's these. 1 Peter 4, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. See, it all leads up to the second coming of Jesus. When he comes, your suffering results in praise, glory, and honor for Jesus. The next one says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Well, when does that happen? In the end of all things, the consummation of all things. We have got a guarantee that everything's going to be made right, and we're going we're to achieve a level of prosperity we can't even dream of now. It's all right around the corner. So the sufferings and trials now are nothing. Light and momentary afflictions compared to the glories that are around the corner. The last one in Revelation chapter 2, do not fear what you are about to suffer. See, the prophet knew that suffering was around the corner for this church. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you'll have tribulation. Be faithful unto death if it has to be unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. This is the economy of God. In the not yet season. And Advent is when we focus on it. We focus on the fact that we're here now. Jesus has come. We long for him to come again. What's this life like in the middle? Are we protected from everything? No. Fiery furnace? Maybe. Lion's den? Maybe. Sickness? Maybe. But maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. It depends on the will of God. So I'm going to do this. I'm already over time, but I've got to do it. I'm going to bring Martin Luther to the fore here. Martin Luther had a little bit of something to say about this. Is God our protector? Is he our fortress? Well, yeah, a mighty fortress is our God. A sword and shield victorious. That's protection. He breaks the cruel oppressor's rod and wins salvation glorious. That's, isn't that great? He breaks the rod. Why? Because it's a dangerous world. The old satanic foe has sworn to work us woe with craft and dreadful might, he arms himself to fight, and on earth he has no equal, we're sunk without God, but the next verse says, no strength of ours can match his might, we'd be lost, rejected, but now a champion comes to fight, protection from Christ himself in the midst of our fight, right, whom God himself elected, you ask who this may be, the Lord of hosts, is he, what are the hosts, that's the heavenly host. That's the army of God, the angel army of God. He is the Lord of that army. He's got all the power to protect us. He wants Christ Jesus, mighty Lord, God's only Son, adored. He holds the field victorious. But the next verse says, "Though hordes of devils fill the land, all threatening to devour us." That's life, and be, that, we're, we're stuck here. Hordes of devils filling the land, threatening to devour us. That's life, especially as a believer. When you got baptized, you got a big target put on you. And Satan is out to get you just like he was out to get Jesus. That's life as we know it. And there's hordes of devils. We don't need to get into a whole spiritual warfare topic here, but this is real. We tremble not. Really? Unmoved, we stand. They cannot overpower us. Let this world's tyrant rage in battle, we'll engage. Oh, there's a fight to be had, and we're in it. And we wrestle, not with flesh and blood, but with spiritual powers. We're in the game. His might is doomed to fail. God's judgment must prevail. One little word subdues him, and then finally, this is so good. God's word forever shall abide. Forever. Now we're talking about the end, and that's where our hope really lies. No thanks to foes who fear it. For God Himself fights by our side with weapons of the spirit. Isn't that great to know? Whenever there's a fight to be had, God is, God's got your back. God is with you. But were they to take our house? that doesn't sound like protection. <laughs> I lost my house, my goods, all my stuff. My honor, I lost my reputation. My child. I lost family members, my spouse. Though life be wrenched away. That's in mighty fortress, folks. If God is our mighty fortress, could all this stuff happen? And the answer is yes, because we're destined to suffer. And when God destines us to experience suffering, it is an opportunity for the glory of God. Even though all that happens, they cannot win the day. The kingdom is ours forever. I'll stop here by just going back to our Lord. Did Jesus know that he needed to suffer? Yes. He prophesied it over and over again on his way to Jerusalem. He told his disciples, the Son of Man's going to have to go to Jerusalem. He's going to be turned over to the rulers, and he's going to have to suffer and die. But on the third day, he'll rise again. And the disciples just said, I, don't, I can't hear you. Jesus, I'm just not going to listen. You're not going to die. You're talking nonsense here. You're usually right, but this time you're wrong. And you just can't die because you're God, because everything should work out perfectly because you're Jesus. Jesus said, no, su- suffering's coming. I know it needs to happen. I know it's going to happen. So what did Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, God, please know he knew he needed to do it. And he knew that it was in the economy of God for him to suffer. But we do the same thing. We never know, do we? Do I have to suffer here? Or might God save me from the suffering? We don't know. Lord, if I have to suffer, bring it. The devil cannot beat me. My faith will hold, and you'll be glorified in my suffering. But Lord, if you could take this, if you could take this cup away from me, please do. Of course we pray that way. Of course. But the promise is, God, our protector, can, will protect us when it's appropriate. But God, our protector, is also going to protect the ministry that he is unfolding in the world by even protecting us from being saved from a point of suffering he has destined for us for his purposes. By his grace, he won't let us out of it. And so, if you're going through a suffering right now, and you're saying, "Lord, why won't you let me go?" Because God's saying, "I have bigger fish to fry than your temporary body." I'm glorifying myself in the universe. My heart's a little heavy tonight. It's my birthday, so, so I was going to light a candle, but someone already did it. Um, (laughs) So my friend Paul from L.A. called me up and just said, "Bill, I just want to say happy birthday." He's my friend from college. Love my friend, Paul. He's a great realtor. If you ever moved to L.A., give me a call. He can set you up. So I said, Paul, how are you? And he said, I, God, I was really hoping you wouldn't ask that on your birthday because I don't want to answer. I said, well, what's up? He said, my sister, Sonia. And see, when Paul and I were in college together, Sonia was his kid sister. This is little Sonia. She's still, in my mind, she's 14. Now she's 40-something, I know. But she's a mom... So when you went to the doctor, it was kind of a surprise. She has stage four cancer. I said, Paul, how can I pray? He says, "Most we're praying for time. That was just before coming out to talk about God being a protector. And the first thing I thought was, God, why Sonia now? I don't know. But God does. Why your late spouse then? Why your kids in a couple weeks? We don't know but does that make God anything less than our ultimate protector? So we pray. We pray hard that God would protect us moment by moment in those situations. But during the season of Advent, we embrace those biblical truths that God, though my whole life, though everything dear to me gets taken away, this is my hope. This is what those candles point to. And eventually that big one in the middle is that Christ comes and we resurrect no more pain, no more suffering and we get everything that Jesus deserves on our behalf. That is our hope and that's our prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these people here and each one of them, God, as I talk about suffering has the first thing that comes to their mind, the thing that they're suffering about. We pray, God, in your mercy, would you please get that suffering away? But if it's there for a purpose, may you glorify yourself in us through it. Protect us, God, from that which hurts us unduly, but also protect us, God, from a cheap way out when we could glorify you more thoroughly through suffering. In this way, we want to be like Jesus. We pray in his name.